hello everyone and welcome again to Vegan True. Today we have Bob Burrow. Hi Bob, how are you today? Hi. Great, so we're going to speak about market volatility today, right? We've seen a big spike in market volatility in the equity market. Last Thursday, the Dow Jones had a pretty wild day. Can you explain what is going on and why is there such a volatility in the market right now? Yeah, there's a lot of volatility, including last Thursday and Friday. And I think in particular, we had a bounce off the 50% reversal of the prior bull market. In other words, from when the bull market started, it went up X points, and now it's come down half of that. And that's a Fibonacci number. And a lot of people who trade technically follow that. So there was that. In addition, the Bank of England intervened in the currency markets to support the British pound. And so that was positive for the markets. And there was a recommendation by the staff of the European Central Bank that they limit their rate hikes. Markets like that because they think that the Fed has gone too far and want to see them stop raising rates. That was a positive sign. But we don't see these kinds of swings in the major averages very often. And one never, ever sees them in a bull market. Mm -hmm. These big volatility days only occur in bear markets. So far in 2022 through today, there have been 32 sessions, maybe only 31, because I don't think we were up 400 today. There were 31 sessions where the Dow Jones rose 400 points or more. We have these 31 sessions up 400 points, but the Dow itself for the year is down over 6,000 points. So that can't be a bull market. If we look at the last bull market, the six-year bull market from 2011 to 2017, there were a total of five such 400-point sessions. When that six years, there were five sessions. This year, there's been 31 just in this year alone through October. The volatility reminds us that it's premature to call a bottom in stocks when the Fed is still aggressively tightening. And we think that the nasty part of the recession is still ahead of us. You've mentioned that. You've also mentioned that the consumer price index number was not a very good one. Can you tell us about what you saw in that report that makes you optimistic on inflation? Yeah, the CPI number on Thursday morning, that was on October 13th, disappointed the financial markets, disappointed the politicians, and disappointed likely anyone else who was paying attention. As I said, at first, markets declined. The Dow was down 550 points before rising that enormous sum on the day, the 828 points. Besides the events I already discussed, there's also this idea that this was inflation's last hurrah. What does that mean? It means that we're not going to see as hot of inflation numbers in the future reports and that they're going to get tamer and tamer as time goes on. I agree with this notion because we're beginning to see several areas of disinflation. So let me talk about the CPI itself first. It rose 0.4%. That's a 4.9% annual rate. So it's not the 8.2% that we're looking back at. This is 0.4, and if it just keeps on doing 0.4, that would be about 5%. That's still too high, but it's better than 8. Because it was 4.9% or 0.4% month over month, 
that barely moved the year-over-year -year rate from 8.3% to 8.2%. The real issue in the CPI report was in the core at the CPI without food and without energy. That rose 0.6%, and that's a 7.4% annual rate. And on a year-over-year -year basis, it's 6.6% in September. It was 59 back in July. This isn't good. It's the highest level of the core rate since August of 1982. So that's 40 years ago. And it's sure to garner the Fed's attention. But on the good side, if we want to look for something good, core goods, so there's goods and services, core goods inflation in September was zero. So there wasn't any inflation in goods. The culprit was in the services, especially in rents, which rose 0.8%. So that's pretty large. And rents is 30% of the CBI calculation. There's something in there called owner's equivalent rent. This is when the BLS calls people and say, what would you rent your house for? So that's always high. But it was the most rapid increase in 32 years. Of course, housing prices are rising. Everybody thinks that theirs is worth more than the neighbors. So looking at this data, though, we have to consider that the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses really antiquated calculation methods for this owner's equivalent rents. And the rents measure itself are lagging. They use really old data. We're going to probably see rents rise again in October and maybe in November. But on the private sector surveys, we're showing that rents are falling. So that's good news. And we have this huge influx of multifamily units that are going to come on the market here in the next six months. That's going to also quell the rents issue in the first half of 2023. As I indicated earlier, I believe there are significant signs of disinflation. In September, when we look at the data in the CPI, prices actually fell in the following categories, sporting goods, in apparel, in appliances, moving expenses were down, movie tickets were down, sporting event tickets were down, used car prices were down, prescription drugs were down, cost of information services were down, the cost of hotel or a motel was down. And the surveys are showing that wage pressures are easing significantly. So at least it's good to see some of those downtrends that I'm sure help people amongst all the other expenses that have gone up. This is good news. But not all economists are really convinced that we are in a recession. You've been speaking about this for a while now, or they are not even convinced that we will even have a recession. What's your view on that? Most of them are now coming around. Sometimes history repeats itself. Most of the time, it just rhymes. And what I mean by that is, that when we see certain key things happen, it foretells a recession. And when you see things that happen and foretell a recession 100% of the time, and there's several of them, then you know you're going to have a recession. The first one is the Conference Board's Leading Economic Indicator Index, or LEI. And for August, it fell 0.3%. It's down six months in a row and in seven of the last eight months. Historically, when the LAI is negative for six straight months, 100% of the time, we have a recession. So that's one indicator. 
Now we have a rule of thumb that the markets use to say we are or not in a recession is defined officially by the National Bureau of Economic Research. But the rule of thumb is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, which we had in quarter one and quarter two. The reason for the rule of thumb is that when two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth occur, 100% of the time, a recession follows. So that's the second one. The third one is when we have a yield inversion of 40 basis points or more between the two-year treasury and the 10-year treasury. Yesterday, the two-year closed at a 4.45% yield, and the 10-year was just over four. So there was a 43 basis point negative yield spread. That's an inversion. And when that occurs, 100% of the time, we have a recession. And finally, when the equity market falls more than 30%, we have a recession 100% of the time. So far, the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000 have fallen more than 30%. The Dow and the S&P 500 aren't there yet. That's factual data, obviously. Nobody can say that it's not happening. It is happening. Speaking of falling equity values, everyone seems to be very nervous about their own investments. So with equity markets down so much, is there any end insight, Rob? The incoming data continues to point to recession. And even finally, some of the sell-side analysts that work for the big broker-dealers like Goldman Sachs, are now using the R word, but they're not capitalizing it. It's recession with a small r. And they're qualifying that with what I call the M word, mild, calling for a mild recession. We're also talking that maybe this bear market's going to end soon. History is always a good guide. And history tells us that bad stuff, quote unquote, bad stuff, continues to happen in the economy after the Fed's first rate cut. That's after they first cut rates, okay? The reason for that is monetary policy acts with long lags. So before they cut rates, they're raising them. It takes six months, nine months for the impact of that raise to be felt throughout the economy. And so long lags. I went back and looked at the last seven recessions and when the S&P 500, when that low occurred, on average, it was 11.6 months after the first Fed rate cut. And that data has a 10-month median, and the data ranges from two months in the 1980 recession to 21 months in the 2001 recession. So let's just say a year after the Fed's first rate cut, we finally see the bottom. The Fed's telling us that they're not going to do a first rate cut for many months. So our only conclusion is we're going to have more bad stuff. Unfortunately, you say you're worried that something in the economy will break and that it will lead to significant issues. Tell us what you mean by that. Nearly every Fed tightening cycle results in something unexpected, some unexpected economic drama in some important economic sector. The Great Recession had the financial crisis. We all remember when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. And then we had significant banking sector capital issues in the Great Recession. We saw other such unexpected episodes in the 90s when the Fed was tightening, 
like the failure of long-term capital management and the chaos that it brought to the markets. Alan Greenspan moved quickly in the 90s to lower interest rates to deal with the long-term capital problem. And it took a new tool in the Great Recession called quantitative easing to calm the markets, but they provided them. Over the past couple of weeks, we've seen the near bankruptcy in several of the United Kingdom's pension funds. During the years of low interest, in order to generate cash for those pension funds to make the required payments to their pensioners without delving into their principal, those pension funds leveraged, they borrowed money in order to buy enough bonds with high coupon rates to generate enough income to make those payments to the pensioners. So the rapid rise we've had in interest rates engineered by the Fed over the last six months have put bonds into the worst bear market in their history. And the rapid fall in the value of the British pound from $1.22 in early August to as low as $1.03 as September ended has only compounded that problem, especially for those pension funds who borrowed in dollars. The value of the bonds that those pension funds bought were hit really hard. And because they were leveraged, they had margin calls and they have to come up with cash. Can't do that. And that puts them in danger of bankruptcy. Only fast action by the Bank of England in supporting the value of the pound and providing liquidity to those pension funds prevented a calamity. But I don't think that we've seen the end of the story because the Bank of England, the lifeline they've given to those pension funds is about to end. We'll see if this comes back to haunt us. Like in nature, there's always more than one cockroach. We don't have any special knowledge, but we believe that if the Fed continues its uber-aggressive tightening, there's going to be other fallout. We've seen a rise in the distress levels in the corporate bond space, and problems could arise there, which might cause issues in the financial markets. I'm only speculating. And we've seen also a very rapid rise in consumer credit as households borrow on their credit cards in order to maintain their living standards because inflation has risen much faster than their incomes. So rising consumer delinquencies could play havoc, especially not in the banking space, but in the shadow banking space, those near banks right. that aren't regulated. So those are just a couple of signs of developing problems. I don't know what I don't know when, and I don't know where something will break, but using history as a guide, and after years of ultra easy money and almost zero interest rates, the rapid rise in those interest rates to levels not seen in decades, and with more rate hikes promised by the Fed, it's likely that something vital is going to break. When that happens, the Fed will have little choice but to pivot. When they do pivot, we're going to see a significant fall in interest rates. That's going on. Lots to be ready for. What is your recommendation for anyone right now? Be cautious. Be cautious with your investments. Don't buy big ticket items. What would you like to leave people with? Consumers are already pulling back. We're yeah. going to see that in the data as we go forward. As far as investments are concerned, you need to talk to your financial advisor and have a discussion as to where you are in your lifetime. If you're very young 
or even middle-aged, these episodes last a couple of years, and it's not really a good idea to sell at the bottom, at the market bottom. And by the time most investors finally have had enough, that means the market bottom occurs because they all want to sell at the right. same time. Right. So you need to look at your own financial situation, how old you are, when you need to retire, how much you have, and discuss that with your financial advisor. And of course, this is what you do. And you also offer a free evaluation of people's portfolio if they are interested, right? Yes, we do that. Right. So I highly recommend people to do that because you may have one financial advisor, but having a second opinion can be very valuable, can give you some insights potentially on things that you may have never done and guide you in a direction that you have not even considered before. So we highly recommend to have a second opinion like that. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much, Bob. It was very valuable as always. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, everyone. You can, again, check all the videos and all the podcasts on the website at hiddentruths.today and to subscribe to the YouTube channel and the link will be below. Thank you so much and see you next time. 